Merry Christmas, everyone. Have you real quickly, can you turn to somebody and say Merry Christmas to them? Just get in that habit there. Hey, we are so glad that you're here. Hey, before we jump into that message, can you just let our band and our worship team know how much we love and appreciate them? What an awesome job. They are absolutely amazing. I love them deeply. Man, Christmas is here, whether you are ready for it or not. Let me just kind of take a kind of a temperature minute of the room. Who's done with their shopping? Who's got all their Christmas shopping done? Okay, there's our early people. Um, who is getting nervous about maybe getting mail or deliveries because you ordered a present online and it's been taking a while? Yeah, we got some people nervous about the deliveries. Now, where's all my last minute Christmas shoppers in the house? Where, where are we at? It's like, you guys are like, it's not December 24th yet. I got plenty of time left to go. My people, my people right there. Man, Christmas is such an exciting time of the year, and uh, it's one of the, it's the most incredible story um, outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that this child would come into the earth and, and leave heaven to become a baby born in a manger. Now, when we hear the Christmas story, I mean, the picture that we always get of the Christmas story is kind of this picture, right? This is the traditional picture of the Christmas story, and it just everything seems perfect. I mean, all the animals are sitting, all the people are kneeling, and the baby Jesus is just there like he's the perfect child that ever walked the face of the earth. But when I read through the Christmas story, to be honest with you, this isn't really the picture that I get of the Christmas story. If there was one word to kind of summarize the Christmas story, I kind of come up with the word chaos. I mean, just imagine for a moment all the events that are taking place and, and how chaotic and how overwhelming it had to be for all of those involved in the Christmas story. Like I would say there was a lot of relational chaos in the Christmas story. Can you imagine Mary? hearing that she's gonna be the mother of this, this new baby, the, the, of, of the son of God. Can you imagine her going to her parents and saying, hey, mom, dad, I'm pregnant. And then them trying to buy the line that this is the son of God. They're like, who's the dad? Who's the father? And there's probably relational chaos that took place inside that relationship, some tension. Can you imagine Mary having to go to Joseph and being like, hey, I know I'm supposed to be married to you and we're, we're supposed to become husband and wife, but I'm pregnant. Can you imagine the tension that was there in that moment? You see in the story, the political chaos that was taking place. I mean, the whole reason they had to travel to Bethlehem is because the, there was such disdain for the government at that time, the Roman government. And they come and they're like, hey, we're gonna tax you even more. We're gonna take even more of what you have. And we're gonna put this extremely heavy tax burden on you. And the people hated the government. And so there's political chaos that's going on. On top of that, I mean, Herod hears about this, this savior that's to come into the world to be the king of kings. And he's like, I don't want anybody to be a king over me. And so he's like, hey, I'm going to have all of these, you know, newborn babies killed and murdered so that I can kind of keep my kingdom intact here on earth. So there's political chaos that's going on. Can you imagine the emotional chaos that was ensuing in the Christmas story? I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, this looks kind of perfect, but if uh, any of the women here that have ever given birth to a child, you know that that season has a lot of emotional chaos around it. Can you imagine having to ride on that donkey for a hundred miles? I guarantee you that Mary and Joseph weren't being all like sweet, lovey-dovey. I mean, Mary's probably looking at Joseph and going, you mean to tell me you haven't booked the room? He's probably upset. I mean, that he's born into a stable. I mean, like this isn't the ideal conditions to give birth inside of. And let's just be honest, if you've ever um, had a child, I mean, like I guarantee you Mary probably wasn't that excited that all these people are showing up on the first day. I mean, she doesn't want visitors. She doesn't want people to be around. I mean, this isn't the picture. There's just kind of chaos that's going on inside of the Christmas story. 
And the honest truth is, is I think as we walk into this Christmas season, I think we see a lot of similarities of what's been happening probably in our lives and in our world. For some of you, let's just be honest, there's a lot of relational chaos that's going on in your life. And even just the thought of Christmas, even having to confront that maybe on Christmas day or with friends or family or, or loved ones inside of your life, like you're like, man, there's just some tension that goes on. And I mean, some of it may just be tension on where you're celebrating Christmas at right now. Is it gonna be at the in-laws or my parents' house? And it creates some of this relational chaos that's going on. There's all kinds of political chaos going on in our world right now, right? It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, there's a lot of disdain for our government right now and the things that have been happening happening inside of our world. And so there's a lot of political chaos. For many of you, maybe there's a lot of emotional chaos that comes with Christmas. Like, right, I mean, right now, even in this season or over this year, maybe this year looks like you've lost a lot and it just seems like there's a roller coaster of emotions that are going on. And can I just tell you something? Is your life and our lives right now really mirror the very first Christmas that Jesus stepped into? But the good news about that is this, is that in the midst of the chaos, the son of God is sent. The presence of Jesus is come into the world. And in that 2,000 years ago, the God sent his son, he sent his presence into the world and God still sends his presence into your life, into my life. And that really is the story of Christmas. Here's the Matthew's account of this incredible story. In Matthew 1, verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And how many know this is the good news of the gospel, that what Matthew is declaring, what is showing up that day is the announcement that you and I can be forgiven from our sins, that there is a savior that is coming down into the world and his name is Jesus. And it is the good news of the gospel. If you've received that in your life, would you give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise in this place? That Christmas story goes on, and instead of me telling you the last part of it, I'm going to invite a special guest to do the rest of it. All this happened to make clear the full meaning of what the Lord has said. Through the prophet, the virgin will be pregnant, and they will have a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. This name means that God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he listened to what the Lord's angel has said. Joseph married Mary. He needs a hand clap for that one, guys. All right. About two weeks ago, Landon came home and uh, he goes to this, uh, on the virtual days, he goes to Hug-A-Bear daycare and they're doing a Christmas play. And he's like, dad, I got to learn these lines. We thought our son was an absolute genius. He wakes up one morning and he got up really early and we're hearing him moving upstairs and I get in the car with him and he says, dad, I woke up early this morning. I go, yeah, but I heard you. And he goes, for a minute, I thought I should go back to sleep. But then I decided, dad, that I needed to learn my part. I needed to learn the scripture. And I go, did you learn it, bud? And he repeats it to me in the car. And we thought he was a genius because we really hadn't worked with him on that much on it. We're like, man, this kid's got it. 
Come to find out they've been working on it at school for a couple days. And the part that he was really excited about is he was getting a donut from his teacher if he could say it that day. And so I'm just telling you, donuts work miracles. I might start getting you guys some donuts around here. We could all learn a little bit more scripture or whatever. But this is really the main part of the Christmas story right here, what he said. This is kind of the key verse that I wanna focus in on today. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which simply means God with us. Matthew tells us that Jesus had been given a nickname. His name was to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. I don't know about you or growing up if you had any nicknames that people called you. But my son Landon, actually, he a couple weeks ago, sometime he was going, Dad, what is my nickname? So on my, my parents' side of the family, um, we, uh, my brothers and stuff, we've nicknamed all of our nieces and nephews. So we, we don't call any of them by their names. Um, and so as we were thinking of a name for Landon, to be honest with you, we did the name game. Anybody do the name game with your kids? If you didn't, shame on you, okay? The, you might be the reason that your kids get in trouble. So we, we, we kind of take the name and we go, what, how can you make fun of it? Okay? And so we're like, okay, we don't think there's anything we can do with this one. There's no nickname they're going to be able to give him. So my brothers actually, though, decided they were just going to start calling him Don Don. And because uh, the last part of his name, Landon. And so he was, we were calling him Don Don. And Landon was like, I don't like the name Don Don. He's like, I want a new nickname. I was like, okay, but what do you want your new nickname to be? And so he came up with the nickname Pumpkin. I'm like, Pumpkin? How do you get to the nickname Pumpkin, dude? So then a couple weeks later, he's like, okay, dad. He started coming around on Don Don. He's like, dad, I want to be called Punk Don. Punk Don. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing? And then a couple weeks later, he came. He goes, no, dad, I got a new nickname. I'm like, man, this kid's got a lot of nicknames I'm going to have to remember. The new nickname, he was like, I want to be called Mario. I was like, bud, Mario is not a nickname, it's a person, okay? And then recently he decided, he goes, dad, we don't want any of those nicknames. I want you just to call me Brody. I'm like, Brody is not a nickname at all. I think he just wants to completely change the name that we gave him from birth. Matthew declares and makes the announcement that Jesus has a nickname. And his nickname is going to be God with us. And this is earth shattering news. This is absolutely incredible news because everyone listening to this announcement that Matthew is making about the savior of the world that's coming in to the world in the form of a child, everybody would have known the Old Testament. And what they would have known about God is this, is that in the Old Testament, you couldn't even look upon God and actually live. That when we see this in the life of Moses, the the Bible says that Moses had to cover his face because if he were to see the glory of God, that God was too big, too powerful to actually be that close to. In the Old Testament, God would inhabit the the tabernacle. He would inhabit the the inner courts. And only one time a year could the priest go in. And if the priest had any sin in his life, in the presence of God, he would be struck down dead because God's presence was so big, so large inside of the world. And suddenly, look at how great this news is. Suddenly, Matthew is saying, Emmanuel has come. God is with us. Us. And it's these words that made the shepherds run back into the fields rejoicing at night. It was what caused the wise men to travel such a far distance to fall down on their face and bow down and to worship this new baby. It was this fact and this fact alone that God was no longer distant, that God was no longer far off, and God was no longer uninvolved in their lives, that God was now someone who didn't just watch over us, but that God was now with us. It was this news that that made everyone rejoice because Emmanuel had come. God was with us. The creator of the universe wanted a relationship with you and with me that he would strip himself of all of his glory and come down in the form of a baby. 
And this was the news. This was the good news. John 1 verse 14 would say it this way. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This was his declaration of the Christmas story. God became flesh and dwelt among his people. The apostle Paul so understood the significance of this when he said it this way. He said in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This gift was the greatest gift ever. This gift was indescribable. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the gifts of Christmas. We've been talking about how Christmas brings us, through Christmas, we get the gift of joy. Through Christmas, we get the gift of peace. But today, I want to talk to you about the greatest gift that we get through the Christmas story, through the life of Jesus. You see, the present of Christmas is his presence. The present that God brings and brings to each and every one of us at Christmas time is his presence with us us, Emmanuel has shown up, God is with us. And can I just tell you this this morning? I'm convinced more than anything else in this world, we need his presence. More than anything else that you need in this world, more than anything else you have on your Christmas list this Christmas, you need the presence of God inside of your life. Can you give Jesus an ovation of praise? It's his presence we need. In the craziness of life, you know what you need? You need his presence. In the messiness of life, you know what you're going to need in those moments? You're going to need his presence. In the broken moments of life where life is overwhelming you, we need his presence. In the relational tensions that we face inside of this world, we need his presence. When life is going good and everything is rosy and you're on the mountaintop, you know what you still need inside of your life? You need his presence. That the present of Christmas is the presence of God that he came into this world. And yet it's the very presence of God that we so often doubt in our life. It's the presence of God actually with us. We ask questions like this, does God really want to be with me? Does God really see what's happening in my life? Is he really concerned about the situations and the circumstances that I'm going through? Does he care? For some of you, you might be able to believe that God wants to be present with everyone else. But then you look at your life and you're like, okay, maybe God wants to be present with these people. They seem to have it all together. They seem to have it going for them. But there's no way that God wants to be with me. I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. If, if only people knew what I had gone through, they would understand that there's no way that God wants to be with me. But can I tell you something? The present of Christmas is his presence and it came for everyone everywhere. That he was going to be Emmanuel, that he is God with us. And I pray today, and I pray this Christmas season, that you and I would unwrap this gift of Christmas. And that before we leave here today, that you would leave here absolutely convinced that his presence is with you. So let me give you three truths about his presence this morning. The first is this. His presence shines in the darkness. The presence of God shines in the darkness. We opened up service today talking about that light that shines into the dark spaces and places of our lives. The gospel of John, as he tells his Christmas narrative in just a very unique fashion, here's what he says in verse four. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
You see, Jesus peered down from heaven into this earth, and what he saw inside of this world is he saw darkness. So his plan, his plan of attack, his plan to conquer it was, I'm going to send my child, I'm going to send my son into this world to become the light of the world. Jesus saw the darkness, and he brought the light for each and every one of us. John 12, verse 46, he would go on and say, I have come as a light to shine in what this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. See, darkness is often associated with fear. It's associated with the worries or the anxieties that we have inside of our lives. You would, if you have kids, you probably know this fact. Like when I go into my kids' bedrooms at night, it looks like you could land a 747 in their room. Anybody remember those times where you had to have more night lights, more lights on? I mean, they're on and Landon's like, hey, can you give me another light? I'm like, we don't have any more lights to give you. But in the darkness, they feel like maybe there's something in the closet. There's something underneath the bed. And when there's darkness around, there's fear that begins to abound. But Jesus said, into the darkness, I shine my lights. Into the dark places of your life, into the fears, the anxieties, and the worries of your life, my presence has invaded this world so that there are no longer any dark spaces that you have to deal with. That because of my light, you can see into all corners of your life. And because of my light, you do not have to be afraid. Because of the light, because of his presence, we don't have to be afraid of the future. Because of his presence, we don't have to be afraid of the political climate that's taking place inside of our world. Because of his presence, maybe we feel alone at times, and maybe we feel like nobody else is around, but because of his presence, you have to know that you will never have to be alone in this world because his presence is with you. Maybe you're afraid of never having enough inside of your life, but because of his presence, because light shines in the darkness, he says, I'm going to take care of you. Maybe there's sickness that's abounded in, in your life, but because he says, because of my presence, presence, you do not have to be afraid. That's why when the angel shows up and he shows up to Zechariah, Mary, and Joseph and to the shepherds in the field, what do they say to those individuals? They say, fear not, do not have fear inside of your life. In Isaiah 41 verse 10, the Bible would tell us, fear not. Why? For I am with you. And the message is the, that Jesus tells us throughout scripture, isn't that there's not some things in life that are going to seem really big. And there's not that there's not going to be some things in life that's going to seem very fearful to you. But he says, you don't have to be afraid, not because of all those things being removed from you, that because in the midst of that, my presence is going to be with you. The light is going to shine in the darkness, and I am with you through every single one of those moments. And that's what we see in the life of Christ. Psalms 27 verse 1 says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Why do I have to be afraid of anything? I don't because the presence of God shines in the darkness. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? You see, you need to understand that when Emmanuel came, his presence shined in the darkness and he brought the lights. The second thing I want you to understand about his presence is this. His presence is, was, and will be with you. His presence is, was, and will be with you. Repeat this after me. Say, God is, God was, and God will be. His presence is, was, and will be with you. Let me break that down for a moment. The first was this, is that God is with you. We have to know this. We have to have the assurance of this inside of our life, that his presence and God's presence is with you. In Luke 1, verse 28, the angel shows up to Mary 
And the very first things he tells Mary, he doesn't say, hey, surprise, you're going to have a child. The very first thing he says to this young girl who's about ready to hear some news that's going to radically change her life, the very thing that she needed to know beyond anything else inside of the story was this. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And the angel says, with this confidence inside of your life, you're going to be able to face anything because the Lord is with you. See, the truth is, for some of you, you're hurting right now. Like, this has been a challenging year. You face difficulties that you never thought you were going to have to face inside of this year. And when you look at Christmas, that it doesn't seem as bright, it doesn't seem as merry. The truth is, is Christmas is the great magnifier. Like if life is going really well, then Christmas kind of magnifies that and it just kind of brings all that joy to the forefront. But if there's hurt or heartache going on inside of your life, Christmas also has the ability to magnify those moments. But I want you to understand this morning, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing inside of, the, inside of your life, his presence is with you. It's with you right now, no matter what you're going through. And I would even look at some of you that says, man, this has been a really hurtful and painful year for me. I want you to even understand that I think God's presence is even greater with you and in a more powerful way inside of your life. Second Corinthians tells us this. It says, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comforts who comforts us in all of our troubles. You see, the word comfort there is a, is a Greek word, and the Greek word for comfort is paraclete. It's paraclete. And the word paraclete is the form of two words. It's the word para, which means alongside, and the word cleat, which is called to. And this word paints this beautiful picture of what God does to us in our moments that we need comfort. He is comfort to us. But he's a paraclete. He comes alongside of us, and he's called to minister to us because God is with us. That when you find yourself in moments of life where it's overwhelming or you're hurting or you're going through brokenness, you need to know that he is a paraclete to you, that he is alongside of you and he's been called to minister to you because our God is with us in our times of trouble. If you believe this, if we would believe this inside of our lives, can I tell you what would happen? It would absolutely change everything. If we would really understand that his presence is with us, that everywhere I go, his presence goes with me, it would radically change our lives. This summer, I had the opportunity to, uh, me and the family, to go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee and uh, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville area. And we went and stayed at a, an indoor water park. It had an indoor water park and an outdoor water park. We'd never taken the boys to a water park before, so we didn't even know how it was going to go. So we go into the water park, and, and, and Landon's tall enough to ride whatever he wants to. And uh, so we start going down these water rides, and he is loving it. I mean, he's having a blast. I'm getting tired because there's a lot of steps to get up to those slides, okay? Uh, I'm like, man, this kid's wearing me out. So we've gone down a couple of the slides and we even go into this big family inner tube. It's just me and Landon. We go down this slide and it, it went down really slow. So we get down to the bottom. I was like, Landon, let's go ask your mom and Jackson. Jackson's five, Landon's seven. I was like, let's go ask them if they want to go down the slide. So we go over and I was like, hey, Abby, let's, let's take all of them. Let's all go on this thing together. And she's like, is Jackson going to be okay? I was like, yeah, it's really slow. He doesn't have anything to worry about. And so, so I get Jackson and he's like, you know, a little afraid. I'm like, hey, bud, don't worry. I'm going to be with you. Like, you don't have anything to worry about. Like, it's going to be fun. We're going to enjoy this. This is going to be an incredible time together. 
We climb up to the top, we get into the inner tube. Lo and behold, did I forget the one principle of water slides. The more weight you put into the tube, the faster the tube goes. We start down this thing and it starts spinning. It starts going faster. And Jackson just starts yelling and screaming. He's like, dad, dad, dad. And I'm close by and I kept trying to tell him, but I am with you, don't worry. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. You're gonna be okay, you're gonna be okay. We get down to the end of this thing. He's jumping out of this tube. He is done. I'll be honest with you, I think I've scarred him for life. I mean, we go over to the other water park and here's the thing. I told him I was with him. I told him I was present, but at the end of the day, he didn't believe it. He didn't fully grasp that inside of his life. We go over to this other water park and this is how much I messed him up. I think I run the rest of vacation for him. We're like in the kiddie areas. And when I say kid water slides, I mean like Fisher Price, like a little ladder that's about this high that goes down into a little thing. I couldn't even get him to go down it anymore because in his mind, as much as I told him, I was with him. He didn't fully believe it. But if he had believed it, it could have changed that entire vacation for him. You see, inside of our lives, we have to understand that this all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God is with you and it changes everything. That when you're lost and you don't know where to go, guess what? He's with you as a guide. When you're hurting and you feel alone, he's with you as a friend inside of your life. When you're going through a trial, he's with you as a comforter. When you're sick and things aren't going well in life, he's with you as a healer. When you're weak, he's with you as your strength. When you're lost in sin, God is with you as your savior. When you're in the valleys, God God is with you. When you're in the mountaintops, God is with you. We have to believe it because Emmanuel stepped into the world to let his presence be inside of your lives for you and I to understand that God is with you. If you believe it, give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise. So the present of Christmas, the presence of, his, of the Christmas is that God is with you. The second part of that though is that God was with you. You see, you also need to be able to look back over your life, and I encourage you this Christmas season to look back over your life and to understand that God's presence is with you. It was with you. It's easier to see his presence in the rearview mirror than in the present moments that we stand in sometimes. For some of you, this year has been very difficult. And maybe you've wondered, God, where were you in the midst of all this? Where were you when I walked through that season of life? But God was with you. We see this in the life of Joseph, not the, the, the father of Jesus, but Joseph in the Old Testament. It's this boy who is this incredible dreamer. And he has this inspiration to be a leader and to dream big dreams, but his brothers hate him. So what do they decide to do? They decide they're going to throw him in a pit. Eventually, they were, gonna, they were like, hey, we're going to leave him to die here. And they're like, ah, let's just sell him into slavery. Joseph lives his life with integrity, but he still, things don't work out for him very well. He's accused, falsely accused of some things. He's thrown into prison. And when you read the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, you ask the question, where is God in all these trials? Where are you, God, in these moments? But when you see the story in the course of his life, when you see it from beginning to end, what you begin to realize is that God was always working behind the scenes. 
You see, we have to understand that God was with you. No matter what you've gone through in life, no matter what the past has been like, God was there in those moments. And here's what Genesis 39 verse 21 says, that the Lord was with Joseph, that he had a plan for Joseph's life. And the pit led him to a palace and the palace eventually led him to save thousands and thousands of people from famine. That in our lives, in the presence, when God's presence comes inside our lives, we have to know that his presence is with us, that his presence was with us no matter what's happened in the past and have that assurance inside of our life. When you look back over your life, may it be a reminder that God's presence was with you. The third part is this though, is that God will be with you. That he says, I'm not only am I with you currently, not only was I with you in your past, but I will be with you in your future. No matter what you go through, God will be with you. Hebrews 13 verse five says this, I will never leave you, nor am I going to forsake you inside of this world. That I will be with you in the future. I will be with you whatever you walk through in this world. Think about Mary for a moment. Think of this little girl that the angel shows up to her and says, hey, I'm gonna be with you. I am with you. But if Mary could have seen the future, you know what Mary would have been able to say about her future? Is that God was with me and will be with me when I conceive this child by the Holy Spirit. God will be with me when I have to tell Joseph that that he's not the father. God will be with me when there's no room in the end. God will be with me when I'm on the run trying to save the life of my son. God will be with me when my son is 12 and we think we've lost him only to find him teaching in the temple. God would be with me when he was falsely accused and and persecuted by others. And God would be with me when I have to stand and watch my son suffer on a cross, abused by the sinners for whose sin he would die. That God will be with her. That God would be with her in every single one of those moments. And what we need to have the assurance of and what Christmas reminds us of is not only is God with, us. God was with us and God will be with us in the future. God is so committed to being with us that he says this in John 14, verse 16. He says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He says, once I invaded the earth as a child born in a manger, I will never leave my people again. My presence will always be with you inside of your life. They would go on and he would say it this way in Revelations. It would say this, I am the alpha and omega says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. I am the almighty. His presence is with you. His presence was with you no matter what you've gone through and his presence will be with you because his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And all of us need a God who is up close and personal. So his presence shines in the darkness. His presence is, was, and will be with you. And the last thing before we close and sing some carols together is this. His presence completes you. The presence of God, the gift of Emmanuel, his presence is the very thing that completes you. The psalmist would say it this way in Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. That it's God's presence, it's God's presence inside of our lives that makes known to us the direction for our life, the things that we should do and where we go. It makes known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Or you could say, in your presence, there is complete joy. His presence is the thing that's gonna complete your life. And that's what he came to do as a child at Christmas. His presence completes you. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I hate about Christmas is wrapping gifts. 
I have an extreme disdain for wrapping gifts. Anybody else in the room that way? Yeah, it's horrible. Like I hate every moment of it. And here's the reason why I hate it so much. The reason I hate wrapping gifts so much is because I'm a, I'm, I have a lot of perfectionist tendencies to me. Like if I'm gonna do something, it's gotta be perfect. And so when I go to wrap presents, they never come out perfect. Like I see everybody else's presents around me and I'm like, their presents look good, my presents don't. So I just hate this, let's not wrap presents. But I think in those, the imagery of a present, I think sometimes we can see our own lives. See, if a present represents our lives, some of us today, our lives look a little bit like this. Our lives have been kind of broken, beat up a little bit, torn. It's that package that comes in the mail and you're like, what happened to it? Did they decide just to jump on it and step on it just to make me mad? The wrapping paper's torn, the box is crushed. And for some of us that we walk in here today, the truth is, is this is what our life looks and feels like. Your relationship with God is non-existent or you've gone through tragedy and you've gone through trials and you've just been beaten down by the things of life. And the truth is, is if this represents your life, it just seems a little incomplete. You long for a little bit more, but you don't know how to get out of the brokenness of that life. For others of us, it's not that our lives look so broken. Our lives actually look okay. And when we look at our lives, it's like a present that it's okay. I mean, I can wrap a present and it's okay, but there's nothing great about it. You're not gonna pick the present I wrap over everybody else's present, that's for sure. I put a lot of tape on it. I mean, I'm like, <sighs> for some of us, this is how our lives look today. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with your life, but the truth is, is you're missing something. You're missing some joy. You're missing some peace. You're, there just seems like it's okay, but it's not great. It's nothing to talk about. Life's just kind of normal. And honestly, this is maybe one of the most dangerous places to be. In the book of Revelations, the writer tells us this, that it says, I wish that you were either hot or cold because you're just kind of meh, lukewarm. I don't even know what to do with you. I just spew you out, spit you out. I mean, at least the first one, at least when it's like this, like I know I'm broken. <laughs> I know I need something different. But so many of us find our lives kind of like this and it's like, yeah, it's okay. Nothing wrong, but it's just okay. But it's this presence that completes us. And you know what I found out with presents? The thing that makes them actually pop is when you put that bow on the top of it. Like there's just something about a bow and ribbon that actually makes it all come together. And Jesus said, when I came at that Christmas, I came as Emmanuel. I came as God with you. And my presence filled this world. And the reason my presence came into this world was to complete your life, to give you direction, to give you hope, to give you a future, to let you know that there was more to live for than what you had been living for, that my presence was gonna come and it was gonna fill every corner of this world. And the truth is this, is that you'll never be complete in life. You'll never be satisfied in life. You're never gonna know the direction of your life without his presence in you and with you. And so the gift of Christmas can guarantee a bow at the end of your story. The gift of Christmas, this gift that he came to give us is the thing that can guarantee that there's a bow at the end of my story. 
Because it doesn't necessarily mean that life's not going to throw you some curveballs and that life may not get difficult at times. But the gift of Christmas is that in the midst of all of that, his presence is with you. And he says, in that, my light shines in your darkness. In those moments, I'm here because I want you to know I am with you. I was with you and I will be with you in the future. And it's his presence that brings us this fullness of life, this completeness that we all long for. It's the present of his presence that makes the scripture in John 3.16 come to life. John 3.16, we all know it. For so God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave us a gift because he loved us, he gave. His one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God loved us, that God gave. If we put our trust and our hope in him, then the Bible says that we get this incredible gift. We receive the gift of his presence and we receive the gift of eternal life. And it's that gift of eternal life that guarantees a bow at the end of your story. It's the gift of eternal life that can take a life that looks like this and turn it into this. That can take a life that's just kind of going through the motions and go, I can give you purpose. I can make it something beautiful when you actually surrender it to me. It's his presence in our life that makes all the difference. And it was Christmas that allowed the presence of God to move into every space of our life. And so the present of Christmas is his presence with us. And my thing for you today, my encouragement, what my hope is for you today is that you would experience his presence every day of your life. Not just every once in a while, but every day you experience the presence of God. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're gonna sing here in a moment. We're gonna close with...